We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode 1111 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And I am incredibly overjoyed to be joined once again by the one and only Ben Fennel. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Ben, it has been far too long since we've had an opportunity to chat. How are you doing? How was your offseason, Ben? Tell me everything. It has been far too long, but it makes these catch-ups that much more enjoyable. True. Um, been pretty busy, uh, spending a lot of my time over at Eagles camp the past couple of weeks, but uh, certainly paying attention to Packers camp and all the other training camps around the league. Like a kid in a candy shop this year. You get to see some of the rookies debut out there after the, uh, you know, kind of the lull of the offseason after the draft. Pads are popping again. Football is back. Preseason, preseason is back which you know how much I love watching preseason tape because those young guys finally put the pads on. You see a little bit of everything out there. I love to see those back-end roster guys clawing and fighting for a spot on the teams. And, you know, it's just a really fun, you know, opportunistic time of the year. Everybody's, uh, you know, has a lot of optimism. Everybody's zero and zero. Everyone thinks they have a shot this year. Makes for a fun conversation, fun analysis uh, sitting here in early August. Yeah, it really does. This is always a time period. You know, you've got the draft free agency training camp, you know, hope springs eternal and everyone is on cloud nine. Like you said, everyone's undefeated at this point. Um, and, and you just never know what can happen in the NFL, which is always what makes it so amazing. You know, obviously this offseason has gone in a ton of different directions for a variety of teams, but probably no more, you know, drama than what the Packers went through this offseason. You've obviously been able to see it a little bit more from afar and, and obviously not being in Green Bay. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, we've, we've had the opportunity to talk about it this offseason a little bit, but now that it's concluded and Rodgers is, is back in Green Bay, is this what you expected? What direction did it go? And did it take any twists and turns you weren't expecting? What were your overall takeaways from this offseason? You know, I never thought Aaron Rodgers would not be quarterback for the Green Bay Packers this year. Now it was just a matter of, 
figuring out this enigma of Aaron Rodgers and what made him so disgruntled this offseason and when he would decide to show up. Would he pull the veteran card and show up, you know, after camp or late camp, which we've seen before veterans all over the league, you know, late into their careers, not wanting to go through training camp and things like that. Um, But I never thought he wouldn't play for the Packers this year. He was under contract. He had no reason to not show up. And he was just figuring out all the kind of dramatics and all the rumors swirling throughout the air over the past couple of months. It feels like that exhausting fight you had with your girlfriend for hours and hours and hours. And you got right back to where you started at the end of it all. (laughs) You're exhausted. You talked for hours. You're emotionally drained and you're right back at square one. And that's what it feels like with this whole offseason with the Packers. I don't feel like we got anywhere. We just kind of made a whole loop around the track and had some issues and had some rumors and, you know, uh, tried to figure out what was going on. And it seems like we're right back at square one where we were. So if you were looking for some news in the dog days of summer, maybe that filled up your timelines and your thoughts a little bit. So now we're ready to play football. And that's what I'm all about here. Uh, agreed. It's, it's always better when it's, you know, between the lines and on the football field than some of the stuff that happens in the off season from a drama standpoint. But I think the thing that I'm most surprised about, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be, but it almost felt like Rogers opening press conference on that first day was just the release that he needed to get everything out in the air and everything in the open. You could sense a little bit of tension with him on that first day. And then everything since that point, you had Randall Cobb coming back. You got David Bakhtiari getting him the golf cart. He's looked as happy as I've ever seen him at a training camp. And I don't know that I necessarily expected that because my my assumption, and I don't know this hundred percent, but my assumption is is everything's probably not hundred percent. Okay. At this point. And there's probably uh, some disgruntled feelings still, but for him to, to come after that first day and just, you know, make it seem like everything's normal. He's quarterback of the pack and everything feels normal at, at Packers camp. It feels right that he's wearing that red number 12. I, didn't, I don't know that during the process, I necessarily expected that again, never would have surprised me to see him back under center, but just as you mentioned, being there day one. And then after that initial press conference, just everything feeling back to normal, that that's what maybe surprises me the most. You know, and it was really like a airing of grievances. Yeah. It seemed like he kind of pulled out the notebook and went over detail through the years and things that have been building up. But the issue was, it's like a team looked back at him and said, what do you want us to do right now? We, we hear all your issues in the past. What do you want us to do today? And Aaron Rodgers almost looks over the left and the right and was like, I don't really know. Like, (laughs) I want to bring back my old buddy, like bring him back. Okay, if that's what you want, we'll bring back Randall Cobb. But it was very much a reading all the track history of issues and grievances, but it wasn't really clear what you wanted moving forward. And I think that's what made it such an interesting scenario, not to mention Aaron Rodgers' kind of arrogance, and he will never let you win. If you figured out the reason that he was mad in the summer, he's going to morph it and constrain it and move it around so you aren't completely right. And I think he'll always be that kind of smartest guy in the room and never let the outsiders win the conversation. So it was great to hear his thoughts in a full out, you know, press conference and let's move forward. Yeah. And it seems like that's what's happened so far, which has been again, really nice to see. Um, If memory serves, Ben, you know, since we talked last, I believe uh, the Packers have added a few different players, Devondre Campbell, Dennis Kelly, of course, Randall Cobb, any of these players stick out to you as somebody who might be able to help the team. I know you are always 
And we've talked about this at length before about offensive tackle, not being a position where, you know, Hey, if you lose somebody, it's not okay just to have, uh, you know, Yash Nyman, you know, come in and step up and play in his first NFL game. You need to have players who are ready to step up and play. So I'm assuming even though, you know, maybe Dennis Kelly, not your one, a offensive tackle still has a lot of snaps in this league started all last season. I'm assuming you're happy with a move like that, but what, what are your takeaways from those three moves? Yeah, certainly like adding the veteran presence on the offensive line and a veteran presence in the center of the defense and a Devondre Campbell, take a step back. This green Bay team is surprisingly young. And I know we have an aging kind of veteran quarterback presence, but for the most part on the offense and defensive side, it's a fairly young roster. So there aren't a lot of veteran journeymen with a lot of experience out there, which obviously we just went through two NFC championship games. The young guys got experience. They're now the experienced ones, but it's still good to have some outside experience, whether it's a Campbell or whether it's a, uh, sorry about that, a uh, Dennis Kelly out there. Dennis Kelly, I remember vividly because I was with the Philadelphia Eagles when we traded him to the Titans for Doriel Green Beckham. Sure. And I got to say, they won that trade wholeheartedly. <laughs> they have held on to Dennis Kelly for three, four years. He's played a lot of good ball for them at tackle, whether in a, a reserve role or I believe starting every game last year. He's a reliable player and a guy that I thought was just a journeyman backup reserve and really can compete and be a quality starting tackle in this league. So he's really impressed me. I thought we were getting a stud 4-4 receiver. That's going to be a nightmare. And we won that trade easily because obviously Doriel Green Beckham, first round pick upside. But Dennis Kelly has been a great pro since. And I think we all know who won that trade. And Randall Cobb, I don't really know yet. Um, I was looking forward to seeing Amari Rogers in that kind of perceived role, but having another veteran presence on the team and somebody the quarterback is comfortable with, you're not going to hear me complain. So in combination with those veterans and a lot of exciting rookies, it's going to be a fun roster. Yeah, I think so too. And you'll be happy to hear that there's already been some uh, sights of Amari Rogers in the backfield with both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So it's definitely something that they've got in the back of their mind. It certainly seems like they have a role for him, whether Randall Cobb's on the team or not. I have a feeling we may see Cobb is maybe more of a traditional slot wide receiver and Amari get more of those, you know, maybe lined up in the backfield, the jet sweeps, the motions, a lot of the stuff that Tyler Irvin did. I'm not saying we won't see that necessarily with Cobb, but I think they may use him more as a true wide receiver and less as a gadget player and, and save some of that stuff for Amari, but only time will tell there. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention about Devondre Campbell, one of the things that I always like, as you mentioned, especially with a younger team, is having at least one veteran in every one of those positional group rooms. And that was the one you know, group that didn't have at least a player with five years of experience in it. You had obviously Rodgers at quarterback, Aaron Jones in his fifth year at running back, Mercedes Lewis at tight end, David Bakhtiari on the offensive line. Um, you know, at, at edge rusher, you've got Preston Zedarius, defensive line, you got Kenny, uh, corners, Kevin King, uh, and then safety, you've got Adrian Amos, and of course, special teams, you've got Mason Crosby. So every other position had a guy with at least five years that was going into his fifth year, uh, except that position. And then you bring in uh, Devondre Campbell and have now that that veteran in the group. I just think that kind of can make everyone better and kind of kind of give you a veteran to, to maybe ease some of the load on the coaches. And sometimes players just like hearing it from a player more than they do from a coach. And I think that can help a lot. And I think they got that with Campbell as well. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people realize we obviously had a rotation of linebackers in there from Barnes and Martin and Kirksey. They had trouble getting lined up. They had trouble getting the defensive calls in and relayed and getting lined up. Why young linebackers calling a new defense. 
So you have to fix that. So I'm glad to see Martin and Barnes in year two. You get a veteran presence in Campbell. I see that improving this year, which there's a lot of room to obviously go up. Yeah, that communication is so incredibly huge. So you've obviously been kind of watching this Packers training camp from afar. Sometimes obviously with being there, you can't always see the forest through the weed or through the, through, through the trees, excuse me. What, what's been some of your biggest takeaways just from, you know, sitting where you're at from this Packers training camp so far and some things that you still want to see. Well, there's certainly a, a bullseye on that left tackle plan and then the trickle effect off that plan. So moving Elton Jenkins around, which I think we all feel more than comfortable moving him around. And he's proven to be a quality player, a Pro Bowl quality player at literally every spot in the offensive line. Not so worried about Elton, but what's then the trickle effect about the other spots. So is that going to be a John Runyon then moving up to left guard? Um, is there going to be a battle with maybe rookie Royce Newman for, you know, the right guard spot or the right tackle spot, depending if they move around Billy Turner or not. So I feel good about the left tackle plan, but then it's just that trickle effect off of it. But I think they have a lot of interesting bodies on the interior and a guy like John Runyon Jr. Getting that experience last year in that, I think two, three, four games, maybe he got some action in, is really valuable. And he was a guy I was able to see this summer at O-Line Masterminds down there in Frisco, Texas. I believe the only Green Bay Packer to attend. Mm -hmm. He was right there lockstep with his buddies Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, who he works out with here in South New Jersey. Um, but I like the offensive line this year. I'm excited about some of the depth and the young pieces and a lot of the camp rookies. You know, I want to see how Eric Stokes looked. TJ Slayton is a guy I really think is going to have an impact on this team and be an upgrade. Uh, from the Tyler Lancasters and maybe steal some snaps from guys like Dean Lowry uh, that I think you can get some more impactful play from. And then the last thing, Andy, Rashawn Gary and watching his development and his trajectory of development has been so exciting. And now it's wondering, is he going to surpass Preston Smith? And he is he going to be on the heels of a Zadarius Smith after Zadarius came back down to earth a little bit in 2020 after his freak 2019 season? But Rashawn Gary is on a scary track of development to really turn himself into a Pro Bowl player this year and maybe leapfrog some of those veterans in front of him on the depth chart. Yeah, those are all three things that I'm very intrigued with as well. I want to touch on each of them really quickly here. So offensive line has looked really, really good in training camp so far. Now pads just came on. There's only been two, three practices with pads. So it's always tough to tell. We'll know a little bit more in preseason, but it is insane to me how good Elton Jenkins looks at left tackle, just to be able to kick a guy out like that and have him, you know, have no discernible issues playing that position. I mean, nobody's David Bakhtiari, right? But to, to miss David Bakhtiari and have basically your offense not miss a beat at left tackle is just beyond insane. And he's looked that freaking good. It's just been crazy to watch. And as far as guard goes, Royce Newman in, in OTAs and mini camps got looks with the starters since the start of training camp hasn't received a single rep that I've seen with the ones yet. So it seems like he's probably out of that competition, but three guys vying for that number two spot. Um, of course, John Runyon Jr., as you mentioned, Lucas Patrick, kind of the incumbent starter, and then Ben Braden very much in the conversation as well, which um, came out of nowhere this offseason. But then, um, you know, Adam Stenovich went out of his way during uh, mini camps to basically say that Ben Braden was going to be competing for a starting spot, which I think caught a lot of us off guard. But he's looked really good so far as well. So three guys there and all of them have looked good defensive tackle. I'm right there with you with TJ Slayton. There were two guys in this draft class that I watched and I was probably, um, you know, just way too excited about, and that was TJ Slayton and Kylan Hill, just based off of their draft positions. And Slayton has been really impressive 
There've been a couple of times already at a really nice stop at the line of scrimmage in team activities last night, there was a play during camp where he took on a double team and not only did he not give up room, but he actually forced the two offensive linemen back into the backfield. Those are just things that, Again, no disrespect to the Lancasters and the Lowry's of the world. We just haven't seen a ton of a player being able to not only eat a double team, but actually penetrate it a little bit. So I'm excited about that. And then going back to Rashawn Gary quickly, I love, and Ben, you just mentioned it as well. I love as much as anybody covering the KB and the Christian Uphoffs and like who are going to be these guys that are on the back end of the roster and guys number 52 and 53. It's one of my favorite things to go over every year. But at the end of the day, the thing that matters most is, is the guys that could go from good or maybe really good to great and be complete difference makers. And to me, the guys in their third year, those first round picks from three years ago, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, those are two players that have the physical abilities and the gifts to be really great players in this league. And those are two guys I'm really keeping an eye on to see, can they go and make that jump to greatness and really be impact players for this Packers defense? Well, there's guys like Rashawn Gary and TJ Slayton to a degree. They have things that you can't teach. Yep. You know, Rashawn Gary being 6'4", 270 and running a 4'6". I can't teach that. So he had the tools. Now let's refine it and get the coaching and really clean up the technique and in combination with those God-given abilities. Now we're seeing why you get taken in the first round. Now we're seeing why with NFL coaching, you can emerge in being an impact player and why he's on the heels of maybe having his first Pro Bowl season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see. And I definitely think he has the ability to make that leap. Going into preseason, Ben, we only get three preseason games this year. Packers feels more must watch than ever because of Jordan Love. And he's going to be taking the vast majority of his snaps and really his first snaps as quarterback in the NFL. That's going to be an obvious one to keep an eye on. But as you turn on that preseason tape, I know, obviously, we just talked about Slate and Gary, a couple of these offensive linemen, but maybe a, a couple other players that you're going to be circling and keeping in maybe a little bit of a closer eye on as preseason kicks off. Yeah, I love watching the preseason. I love the opportunity it presents for guys that likely wouldn't see action during the season. That's where you figure out what you have. I got news for you. Not everybody is a great practice player. Not everybody is a great game player. People take on different tones and different play styles. And, you know, you have to put them in different scenarios to figure that out. And this preseason is exciting. Three games. But you essentially have two rookie classes to debut. You just mentioned Jordan Love. We all want to see him in some extended action against opponents. We have two classes of rookie offensive linemen to dig out, whether it's the Jake Hansons and Bradens from last year and then a bunch of the guys this year, whether it's Cole Van Lannon and Royce Newman's. I want to see guys on the back end of the defense. Let's see Vernon Scott and Henry Black play for 50, 60 snaps a game, really get into the flow of a game and see what you got. And that's the time that you figure that out in the preseason. And, you know, sitting here in Philadelphia, being at practice every day, there's some guys that are not good practice players. They're looking around and saying, I can't wait to see the lights on and see them against an opponent. And that's what we call guys that are gamers, guys that show up when the lights are hot. And there's just, it happens. So you have to give them that scenario and put guys in different scenarios to, uh, to really figure that out and figure out what you have with the back end guys. The other thing exciting this preseason with the Packers and new defensive scheme under Joe Barry the preseason, do you show the scheme mm -hmm. and get reps and get practice or you just dis disguise it and hide it because you don't want to show people yet. So it's going to be that little bit of cat and mouse this preseason to figure out what does Joe Barry show the rest of the league and what is he going to put on tape before the season starts? Yeah, I think we got a little bit of an inkling that Matt LaFleur is going to lean more vanilla because he said even with family night, they were going to go a lot of vanilla looks because it was televised and they don't want to give a lot of things away. So um, I have a feeling they're going to lean vanilla. But like you said, this is also a defense that's new and you know you need the repetitions to be good at some of the stuff that you're doing. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe they disguise some of that and maybe work some of their concepts without actually you know showing it on tape. But all that's such a fun thing kind of to keep an eye on in the preseason. And yeah, some of those, those back end battles, especially Innis Gaines as a player, uh, as a defensive back and Christian Uphoff, two undrafted guys that are, are making some noise in the safety room. Henry Black is a player last year who got a cup of coffee on the team who um, has actually been getting some dime snaps with the defense, with the starters. So um, that that's another really interesting one that I want to keep an eye on. And there's just so many players, as you mentioned, like the, the rookie class last season, I don't know if Josiah DeGuara is going to be cleared enough yet to, to actually play in those games uh, in the preseason but uh, so many players from last year and this year who are getting uh, really some of their first snaps because as we know last year's class uh, outside of Dylan getting what 100 and you know some odd snaps Chris Barnes is an undrafted guy getting a bunch there just wasn't a ton of snaps for that rookie class so it, it really is going to seem like there's two two rookie classes out there yeah not to mention this is also some last ditch effort to put some quality stuff on tape to sell yourself to another team. And I'm looking at guys like Oren Burks, Josh Johnson, or excuse me, Josh Jackson that have been very up and down in their young careers, maybe on the fringe of the roster. Hey, with a strong preseason game, that may not mean you're going to make this Packers team, 
but maybe you, you know, spark an interest in another team. Maybe you can get the Packers a sixth, seventh round pick in a late in camp trade for a need for another team. So these preseason games have a lot of purpose. There's going to be a lot of player movement over the next couple of weeks, obviously with cuts. There's going to be a lot of tradings and a lot of waiver wire movements. And the preseason games are really a catalyst for a lot of that movement. Yeah, that Josh Jackson, Equinemius St. Brown, Oren Burks, yep. uh, J.K. Scott's draft class has a lot of could go either way. And they're all, I think, fighting for a roster spot, especially in the last year of their deal. So we'll see what happens with those. Look, taking a, a, a step back for a second, Ben, as we start getting ready for this regular season, Aaron Rodgers is back now. This is a team that went back to, you know, back-to-back NFC championship games, not being able to get over that hump in either season. Obviously, you want to see Green Bay make that jump. It's a little bit of an all-in season for them. But what are your biggest concerns with this current roster and what could potentially hold them back from making that run towards a Super Bowl? Well, I definitely think that middle of the defense, that nucleus, that linebacking core needs stability this year. So I'm very concerned that there's still a bit of a committee approach right now. And I just want to see somebody emerge as that mainstay quarterback of the defense, a la, you know, A.J. Hawk, a la Blake Martinez, but just hoping for a bigger impact from the Martinez types. But his ability to stay available and be that consistent voice on the defense is valuable. You know, not only for the defensive coordinator relaying in the plays, but just for the voices in the huddle and being comfortable getting lined up. The other thing is, which every team is worrying about the what ifs, but just going down the road and preparing for the what ifs of saying, hey, we have an injury at left tackle right now. We're going to put in Elton Jenkins. But what if Elton goes down? Yeah. And just other what if scenarios and just trying to get ahead of those potential, I don't want to call them doomsday scenarios, but just making sure your depth is adequate for those, uh, you know, potential injuries. And we know depth get test, gets tested every year. I wish they could tell us which positions ahead of time, uh, but that's not really how it works. So, um, you know, it's just figuring out, uh, you know, some of those depth spots. And my other concern is that right cornerback spot between Kevin King and the rookie Eric Stokes. I don't feel great about either. I don't feel like it's doomsday for either, but I think it's going to be a long season of up and downs out there. So um, get ready for kind of inconsistent play, which we've uh, come to expect uh, opposite Jair. Yeah, not surprising, Ben. We are in lockstep on this one, 100%. So the the first thing, so going into every season, you know there's going to be probably, what, about 10 to 12 guys that by the end of the year end up on IR, um, you know, just in some capacity, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. So you're, you're almost playing like, IR roulette, where you're just hoping that it doesn't fall on a couple of those, those key guys. And to me, Green Bay has four players, in my opinion, that are just like you kind of said, doomsday scenarios. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, there goes your Super Bowl chances. And that's most teams with most quarterbacks, right? But Kenny Clark is another. If he goes down for any extended period of time, I think that defensive line really has a tough time stopping the run. I just don't know that they have the bodies up front to kind of withstand a long-term injury to Clark. And Zedaria Smith, while I'm high on Rashawn Gary, and I still think Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark might be able to generate some pressure over time. I still think he's your number one uh, pressure maker. And I still think that you are in, in a much more difficult situation if you were to lose to Darius Smith and then Jair Alexander. And, and that really kind of, um, you know, buoys your, your secondary conversation as well. To me right now, the only player that I have true faith in from a coverage 
standpoint in the secondary is Jair Alexander. He's the only one that I feel like, all right, if we need a stop here and I've got a good player matched up, like Jair's the only one that I feel hundred percent confident in. And I still think, you know, Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, you know, those guys maybe have um, some upside and they're going to make some plays from time to time. I still have overall concerns with that second spot. And even with Jire in there, there's just so many weapons. And we saw Tampa Bay go right after Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan in that championship game a season ago. Um, if you all of a sudden lose Jair, I mean, that just gets into, again, to me, a, a little bit more of a nightmare scenario. So again, injuries can happen to any team and you, you got to figure out a way to survive it. But Green Bay to me almost has four players that are just, it would, it would seem catastrophic if any of them went down. I think certainly valid concerns, especially in the coverage. My, I guess, uh, calming statement to fans <laughs> like Mike Patton, Joe Barry, going to play a lot of zone coverage. Yeah. What does that mean? It should be a low stress scheme for the guys on the back end. Not a lot of man to man, not a lot of turning and running without help. What you have to do, keep the ball in front of you and tackle. So those are things obviously Kevin King has been inconsistent with. He has shown the ability to play the ball down the field. He's also let the ball go over his head. He's shown the ability to be a good tackler. He's been inconsistent as well, but they're going to play a lot of zone coverage. So when that ball gets thrown short on third and five, you got to come up and make the tackle at three, four yards. It's going to be a lot of completions, but this is the pro and con of a zone scheme. I got news for you. Man coverage also has pros and cons. So there's no perfect defense out there or else everybody would play on every down. So that coverage out there certainly uh, will be an emphasis this season. No, it's a great point. And, and to be fair too, Chandon Sullivan's had a really nice camp so far. I thought he looked really good in 2019, um, struggled with consistency in 2020. To me, if he can get playing closer to what he did in 2019, although it wasn't quite as many snaps, I think that would be a nice step for this Packers defense. What's been the, uh, what's been the pecking order at that slot cornerback spot? This Just uh, this Chandon. Camp? Just Chandon. Okay. Yeah, well, sure. Been... See, that's such a interesting hybrid spot. You don't know if they're going to work in a safety in there, maybe move a corner inside, maybe let an athletic linebacker slide outside there. That nickel spot can be such a hybrid spot. Sounds like it's uh, Chandon's spot to lose up. A million percent is now it's for about two practices ago for the first time. I think there are about two or three snaps that Jair actually got in the slot for, for a couple plays. And it is possible that when Kevin King gets back healthy, maybe you have a Kevin King and Eric Stokes on the outside with Jair Alexander on the inside, right? So without Kevin King, it's a little bit tougher uh, to gauge and, and maybe they feel Stokes could play the slot. It's just, we just don't know until they have their full um, you know, complement of corners out there. But 99.8% of the time so far, it has been Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes on the outside with Josh Jackson getting some reps as, with the ones as well. And then Shannon's played all but, again, two or three snaps as that slot corner. So as much as we thought maybe there'd be a competition, maybe a Darnell Savage, maybe Jair Alexander, maybe a couple other guys, it has been him. And then second team has been uh, Shamar John Charles has been getting a lot of those snaps there. So who's looked uh, pretty darn good in that situation as well. But that's been the, that's been the pecking order so far. Interesting. Okay. I'm interested to see a preseason who, uh, who maybe gets some nods expecting that Chandon probably won't be holding it down for uh, three straight games. Yeah, that's probably true as well. And then we have seen as well, a lot of Adrian Amos in that Raven green nickel line, you know, nickel and dime linebacker spot. So uh, and then in that situation, Darnell Savage and in mini camps and OTAs, it was Will Redmond at safety. Um, and then to start camp, Redmond has been out this entire time. 
And then uh, Henry Black was out to begin with, and it was Vernon Scott teaming with him there. Then when Black came back, Black was, has since been the number one safety with the Dimes, and it has not been Vernon Scott. So um, all of those things are going to be very interesting. Again, preseason will go a long way in determining a lot of that. And hopefully Will Redmond, Kevin King can get back sooner rather than later for a variety of reasons, but just so we can kind of start to see how that kind of looks in practice as well. Um, you are obviously a aficionado, not only in Packers, but, uh, in a couple other key topics as well. You've had a ton of opportunity to attend training camp, uh, for the Eagles. I'm just kind of curious overall, it's always fun to get, uh, you know, the viewpoints from other NFL teams, what's been happening at Eagles training camp. How's my guy, Josh sweat looking, uh, what can you tell us about, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think the strength of this team, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, is certainly in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line, depth, versatility. They have a lot of guys that can play up and down both sides of the line. They're deep at a variety of positions. Uh, certainly the depth is in the trenches. I think Josh Sweat has looked pretty good uh, working at that right defensive end spot uh, with Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham on the other side. Fletcher Cox still looks like a dominant presence in there. Some really interesting young guys to work in. Obviously, we have Milton Williams there as our third-round draft pick and a couple other edge rushers like Patrick Johnson and Teron Jackson working in there. But this is going to be a, you know, the offensive side, it's going to be a run offense. This team's going to have to pound the ball. That's the strength of their team, the stable of running backs, a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, a strong offensive line. Now with Brandon Brooks uh, healthy for the season, although he hasn't been practicing lately in that left tackle battle between Andre Dillard and Jordan Malata. Malata has looked outstanding. I haven't wanted to be a, advocate for him thinking <laughs> you can't just show up to the NFL and think you're going to play offensive line. I know he's athletic, but he's not some offensive line prodigy. Andy, he's been outstanding. That's and I, I look for every little thing to nitpick on this guy. He has been outstanding. Um, and I'm really excited to see Landon Dickerson. Once he gets himself back and healthy, this offensive line is really good. Jason Kelsey, outstanding. His athleticism has not lost a beat. Um, but some other things with this offense, Devonte Smith, he's obviously a little dinged up right now with the knee. He is going to be a stud, Andy. He has been lights out. He is electric. He is quick off the line. He catches everything can win down the field. He is a alpha type. He's first up in drills. He wants to block you off the field. He is an infectious type of presence. He's kind of that quiet assassin. He doesn't talk a lot out there. You know, he is straight business. Devontae Smith, you see him out there in fantasy, guys. Pick him up. He's going to have a big year. Um, yeah, but the, uh, the, uh, the offense, the pass game, it's not that much fun to watch. The ball isn't <laughs> down the field a whole lot. They aren't chucking the ball. They aren't making it rain. Um, and Jalen Hurts has his struggles, you know, on a day in and day out, you know, basis. And like we talked about before, guys not being good practice players. Jalen Hurts is a gamer. He yep. needs the lights to be hot. He needs to create stuff out of structure. He needs to kind of make things happen when the play breaks down. He needs to use his legs. Mm -hmm. You can't always show that on the practice field. So I think that you have to kind of weigh the, his style uh, with the setting and expect when the lights get hot and he plays some opponents, his full style and uh, quarterbacking will come out. But it hasn't always looked good uh, out on the practice field. Um yeah, but it's been fun to watch. There's a lot of new parts out on the defense. We just picked up Steven Nelson, who's been pretty much the starting corner opposite Darius Slay. Um, yeah, but it's been fun to watch, and there's a lot of youth, and there's a lot of exciting bodies out there. So it's been it's been a, a good camp so far, despite the kind of struggles and flux at the quarterback spot. Um, 
And Nick Sirianni, young, infectious, enthusiastic coach. He's a little green out there, but um, it's a lot of fun to see his enthusiasm on a daily basis and just get new energy. And I think anytime you have a new presence and new energy, there's just that kind of unknown optimism where you kind of look around, you're like, do we have something here? Do we have something here? And I think there's just that little bit of excitement uh, considering how the last season, season and a half went here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And it seems like the NFC East is definitely there for the taking. I mean, you've got really interesting teams. I love that Washington defensive front, which is just going to be phenomenal. Once again, Dallas could easily have a bounce back with Dak Prescott coming back. Hopefully, hopefully he's back healthy. And they have tons of exciting rookies on their defense. I want to say they might be starting six, seven rookies this year. So completely new Dallas defense, which they needed it. Yeah, so it's going to be a, a very fun, div- either a very fun division or just another division where somebody. I finishes. feel like any any day, Andy. There's a new favorite in the NFC East, and there's yep. a new bottom dweller in the East, depending on what headline you want to read. I Absolutely. feel like that's one of the more influx divisions, but it may be so influx and so competitive. There might be four bad teams, but you won't know it because they're all kind of battling each other for it. So, um, one of the more unpredictable divisions in the league, certainly. And speaking of unpredictable, going, going back to Jordan Maliata for a second, like how insane, and I know we love going over the draft, Ben, ad nauseum, but you draft a first round guy in Andre Dillard. Everyone loves him, expects him to be the guy in the same, I think the same draft, you pick up a rugby player in Jordan Maliata <laughs> as a flyer towards the end of the draft. And Dillard, of course, struggled with injuries, hasn't been consistent on the field. Maliata, of course, becomes a potential, uh, you know, big time pro left tackle. It just goes to show how crazy this entire business is and where you can find these guys from everywhere. And it just it's so unpredictable. It's so crazy. Yeah. And obviously there's been that bad out left tackle. They switch daily. They switch in each kind of different period. But it's easy to know who's in there. Jordan Malata is enormous, enormous. <laughs> He stands over the huddle. His head is higher than everybody else's. When he's in the offensive line group, he is a huge man among other huge people. Yeah. And it's just really crazy to see how big he is, how fluid he is. And he's only been playing this game for three years. Andy, three years ago, he showed up the camp, didn't know what to do with his helmet, didn't know how to put it on, didn't know how to take a sip of water with his helmet on like literally sitting here in the practice field figuring out how to put his hip pad back in it was hilarious because he literally had no idea how to just do the basics of football equipment and put his jersey on and now he's been playing left tackle in the nfl and he may be the starting left tackle for the eagles for another season here and his potential is very very high yeah, it's so fun. It's so and he's a great fun. person. He's an infectious. He's got a great smile. He sings. He plays his ukulele in the locker room. <laughs> he's a good guy off the field. He's somebody you want to root for. And uh, Jordan, I apologize for nitpicking you the past couple of years. You've done nothing but impress me in camp. And uh, I think we're all rooting for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a super fun story. And again, that's just another thing that makes the NFL so much fun. Before we get out of here, Ben, I know you're always covering the drafts. Who are a couple of people who are a couple of players who have maybe caught your eye lately that you're keeping an extra close eye on as uh, college football starts sooner rather than later? Yeah, always, always into the draft 2022 uh, starting to, you know, feel out the landscape. It's not going to be a sexy QB year. We just had that. We just had five go in the first round. We have Spencer Rattler, Keaton Slovis, Sam Howell. It's not a big year though, but Joe Burrow wasn't going to be the number one overall pick in the summer. Zach Wilson wasn't going to be the second overall pick in the summer. Who's going to emerge? Maybe Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, maybe Carson Strong at Nevada. A couple of mobile guys out there in the Pac-12 that could catch lightning in a bottle, uh, like Jaden Daniels and the UCLA kid. 
A um, lot of running backs this class. Some 225, 220 backs that can catch the ball. A lot of tight ends this class. And it's all cyclical. When you have a big year, one year, typically you're coming back down the next year. And the one group I really like, um, obviously we're not going to go through everybody here. The one group I really like, there's been all these big gazelles and sexy receivers and tight ends getting drafted, the Kyle Pitts. This draft, Andy, we got guys to cover them. So whether that's Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame, who looks like a lock to be a top five pick, probably one of the few generational players this class, Kyle Hamilton, nice. big, long safety, Notre Dame. But you got Lewis Sign at Georgia, Damani Richardson at Texas A&M, Brandon Joseph at Northwestern, Isaiah Palomao at USC. These are all like six, two, three, four long rangy safeties that the NFL needs to cover these athletic tight ends and big gazelle receivers out there. So a lot of interesting safeties, this class. And just remember wherever it was deep last year, it's probably going to rubber band back a little bit this year. So starting to get a uh, grasp of the landscape. It's going to be a wild year with all the super seniors and the guys taking the free year of eligibility. Some guys have been in college for six, seven years. You got 23, 24, 25 year olds out there. It's going to be a wild year and figuring out the classification for a lot of these players but that's why we love to do it and that's why we watch the film and study these players so it's going to be a fun one this year I, I love the the yin and yang and the balance of the NFL where you start by getting, again, every offensive team is looking for the type of player or skill set that can take advantage of the weaknesses upon the defense. And as you mentioned, the tight ends, the running backs out of the backfield, those are the players that recently have been able to really take advantage of the linebackers and safeties. So what do you do on the defensive side? You develop these freak athletes, safety linebackers who can run four three four four forties <laughs> out of nowhere who are, you know, 230-ish pounds 220 230 and now it can cover all of these safeties and linebacker or safeties and running back running backs and tight ends excuse me out of the backfield it's just so fun to watch how those things go back and forth and then of course you get these maybe slightly undersized linebackers playing and you know some team like Kyle Shanahan or someone is going to just beat or maybe the Eagles is a perfect example this year beef up their offensive line go power and just run try to run over them it just it's so fun to watch those go back and forth and I know all you sickos out there in Packers community <laughs> want to know who are the Packers going to get next year if Matt LaFleur is going to continue to incorporate manufactured touches to his receivers, I want guys that are deadly with the ball in their hands. So you want those gadget half running back, half slot receiver types. There was a lot last class that I was pounding the table for, or there was Elijah Moore, Kadarius Tony. Luckily we locked up Amari Rogers. There's plenty more, get more of them. Anaya Smith at Texas A&M, Zay Flowers, Boston College, Wandale Robinson just transferred from Nebraska to Kentucky. Uh, Katie Nixon went from Colorado to USC. All that kind of Randall Cobb style of player where you just want to get the ball in their hands and let them break a tackle. So if Matt LaFleur is going to continue that in the offense, let's keep adding those types of players to, to the scheme. So I'd love to see more weapons added around Aaron Rodgers. That's right. Next year, more weapons around Aaron Rodgers. I see what you said there. Very interesting. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, you know, it, you, it's interesting you bring up wide receiver because regardless of what happens right now under contracting for Green Bay at wide receiver next year, Randall Cobb on a contract that will not be kept. So he'd either have to restructure and that's only if Rodgers is back, right? 
Um, although it would get awkward again if Rodgers came back and then they had to cut Randall Cobb, which is probably not ideal. Um, but uh, really the only one is Amari Rodgers. That's under a true contract. Maybe Devontae gets that extension. Alan Lazard will be a restricted free agent, so he's likely to come back. But even still, uh, this is definitely a position that even on the, the best of terms, even if you sign Devontae to an extension, bring Lazard back on a restricted and then have Amari Rodgers, yes, that's a nice three. You literally don't have any other uh, wide receivers that are under contract on the roster. So that is definitely going to be a position that needs to be addressed in some capacity next season. Green Bay is not going to have free agent dollars. So uh, Bennett doesn't take uh, a, a math professor to figure out uh, where that position is going to come from. It's going to come from the draft. Well, I'm sliding the beads on the abacus right now, <laughs> and we might be able to grab not one of them, but maybe we'll grab two of them next class. We'll see. Uh, you know, just not in the first round. That's uh, that's against <laughs> the rules, of, of course, in Green Bay. But uh, Ben, great stuff as always. Anything else you want to go over uh, before we get out of here today? No, not particularly. Uh, got Eagles practice tonight uh, over at the stadium. I think we're doing a little family night kind of thing that's uh, similar to what they do over in Green Bay, which I don't love. The practices over at the stadium are a little bit more fluffy. They only have one to field to work on. Always takes on a little bit more of a uh, carnival type of spectacle. But i um, excited to have some preseason coming up this week. It's two years coming. We didn't have preseason last year. Very excited to watch some fresh tape and yeah, the football is sloppy, but it's exciting. It's fun. The kids are young out there. Put on the fourth quarter of the preseason. You'll see everything. You'll have guys not knowing where to line up, guys running the wrong route, busted coverage out there. Just enjoy it, all right? There's just, Sometimes you just got to take a, take a solace in some of the, the fun things in life there and enjoy some sloppy football when it's out there. And, and here's a, a pro tip for, for anyone that's watching and is like, well, why am I going to watch a preseason game? This is a perfect opportunity. If you, whether you're a fan or you're somebody who wants to get into the, you know, dig into the details of football a little bit more. What I love to do is just pick out a handful of players in each preseason game that I just want to focus in on and, and try to find and watch. And maybe for, for anyone else, maybe it's just one or two guys, but just find those guys in that game and hone in on them and see what they do well, see what they don't do well. Take your eye off the ball. Don't necessarily care who scores the most points and, and just kind of watch the nuances of a player or a position group, things like that. And, and that can be a really fun exercise to go through really in any game, but especially in preseason where the result doesn't matter all that much and you may not know a ton of the guys on the field, just hone in on a couple of them and it'll, it'll be worthwhile. And there's plenty of success stories that if you didn't have the preseason, not only would they not have careers, you wouldn't know their name. And I could think of like yesterday, Victor Cruz showing up to the giants wearing number three in the second half, made a nice one handed catch down the sideline. Next preseason game had another huge game, made the team X, Y, and Z. Victor Cruz was a mainstay receiver in this league for a number of years, but he took the stage of the preseason to show what he can do. And he said, you can't cut me after a performance like that. That type of opportunity is exciting. So who's going to do it this year? We didn't have a preseason last year. I'm excited for the next couple of weeks here. And of course, the all-time Packers story is uh, without that Desmond Howard punt return in the preseason. Who knows if he makes the roster? I couldn't think knows. of a good Packers. Uh, yeah, Desmond Howard. Yeah. Who knows if uh, you know if he's not on the team? Do they win the Super Bowl without all of his return prowess? So it, it can matter. It can absolutely matter. Ben, phenomenal stuff as always. We'll have to do it again soon. Uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Where can we uh, follow you on Twitter again? You can follow me at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. I'm pretty sure I'll be doing some film breakdowns for the athletic once again. Awesome. Uh, once those preseason games come out, I should be uh, doing my game recaps uh, like we normally do. So be on the lookout potentially uh, maybe 10 days from now for the first one. 
And since NFL Game Pass may not have uh, all 22 footage, uh, it sounds like this upcoming season, at least to start the year, uh, Ben may have the monopoly on uh, film footage. So uh, you are absolutely, no matter what, you're going to want to check them out. But uh, Ben's going to be the first one to have it. And it's going to be absolutely amazing as always. So make sure to sign up. I haven't put out an article in months and I eat by the click. So I'm getting pretty hungry here. So I can (laughs) use a couple extra clicks here in the preseason from you guys. All right. It's worth it. Definitely (laughs) worth it. My favorite article every week. So make sure to check out Ben over the athletic Ben. Thanks again, as always, for those listening, make sure to subscribe. If you haven't already, we'll be back here tomorrow with a brand new episode as always, but until next time. And as always go pack, go. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.